the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the unique qualities of being human is that we exist in a perpetual state of longing. We desire to make meaning out of the conditions of our lives, and this leads us always to, de to desire something greater, something deeper, something more meaningful than our current state. And for Christians, of course, this comes as no surprise. We know that we have inside of us a deep desire for God. We know that we have a deep desire for God, a, and a desire for an experience of God, for some personal and profound experience of God's love and grace in our lives. As the psalmist writes, as a deer longs for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet my God? This theme, this theme of desiring God, of longing for God, of seeking God, can be found throughout the Psalms, indeed throughout the Scriptures. The prophets opine about the day when God will reveal himself to his people and bring justice on the earth. The gospels wonder with awe at the reality that God has revealed him to himself to us in Christ. And the letters of the New Testament marvel at the fact that Christ will come again in glory and the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God as the oceans are filled with water. And Jesus himself, in the Sermon on the Mount, offers this promise. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. Oh, how deeply we long for this, to see God face to face, to speak with him as a friend like Moses did at the tent of meeting, to hear his voice like Peter and the apostles. This desire fills us with a certain restlessness in this life, with a wondering and a longing and a thirst that cannot be quenched, that cannot be fulfilled. But it also fills us with an awe and a wonder and a life-giving passion that inspires everything that we do. As the great African theologian Augustine wrote 400 years after the life of Christ, you have inspired us and we delight to praise you because you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. 
The life of faith is truly an amazing journey of longing and fulfillment, of these moments of faith and awe that carry us through what seem to be unbearable seasons of darkness and pain. The whole idea seems kind of ludicrous when we take a step back and think about it, to confess one Sunday with the Belgic Confession, Article 1, that God is eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, unchanging, infinite, and almighty, and the next Sunday to confess the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one, that our only comfort in life and in death is that we belong not to ourselves, but to Jesus Christ, our faithful Savior, who has fully paid for all our sins with his precious blood and watches over us in such a way that not a hair can fall from our head without the will of our Father in heaven. It seems like such a jump from the invisible and unchanging God of the Belgic Confession to the personal and intimate God of the Heidelberg Catechism who counts our hairs And yet we hold fast to the conviction that this is the one true God. The unknowable creator who has made himself known to us. The unchanging one who enters into relationship with us. The invisible one who we long to see. Because he has promised that we will see him. It's amazing. It's beyond explaining. The French pastor John Calvin, writing 500 years ago, compared the experience of God to thunder. A moment, a flash, that's hard to explain because there's nothing like it in the world. Scripture uses this language to describe experiences of divine revelation as well. Peter, James, and John on the mountain see Jesus transfigured and his clothes are changed to a brilliant white like lightning, brilliant blinding light, and a powerful voice echoes from the clouds above. Paul sees Christ on the road to Damascus and the experience is so sudden and dramatic that he's thrown from his horse and struck blind. Isaiah sees the Lord enthroned in the temple and his glory fills the entire room, the entire heavens while all the heavenly hosts sing his praise. In other stories from Scripture, God's revelation comes in quieter moments of reflection and meditation. Elijah hears God's voice in the still, small breeze in the mountains. Peter has a vision of animals during his noontime prayer on the roof. God speaks to Paul in the quiet of the night and tells him to go across the sea to Macedonia and preach the gospel. Many of us have heard stories of people who have had experiences like these. Whether bold and dramatic or quiet and dreamlike. Stories of God revealing himself, making himself known, speaking to people making himself known in a deeply moving and transformative way. Stories of people whose lives were changed, of people who sold everything they had and gave it to the poor, people who left lucrative careers to follow God's call, those who were converted to faith or whose lives were deepened in their faith. 
Some of us have had experiences like these ourselves. All of us long for them. We long to see God, to know God, to have some experience that assures us that the promises that we read in Scripture, the love and the grace of God, the things that we believe are real. We long to see God. But the uncomfortable reality is that our deepest longing is also our greatest fear. We long to see God, to know Him, to experience His love. But we also are afraid of that happening. We're afraid of disappointment. We're afraid that we're unworthy. We fear the unknown. We fear the change that it may require in our lives. Opening our lives to the experience of God means making ourselves vulnerable. We fear what we cannot control. And so we avoid. And in the Reformed tradition, of course, our preferred method of avoidance is busyness. We are busy being busy. Our work, our school, our hobbies, our schedules, our responsibilities, the incessant dings and pings and rings and jingles of our phones reminding us that we are important people with important things to do. Busy people with busy lives. We keep our eyes so focused on the ground that we never raise them to wonder at God's majesty. We fill our lives with so much noise that we can't hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to our souls. We close ourselves off. We buffer ourselves against the world. We order our lives in such a way that we come to believe that we are really the ones in control. And when that illusion of control breaks, it's painful. Because the careful, busy lives that we've created for ourselves come crashing down. And we realize that we are not in control. When life doesn't go the way we've planned, when relationships we've invested in break, when we lose our job to age or to automation, when those we love are taken by death, then in the silence and the shock of our shattered illusion of control, we hear the gnawing emptiness of our souls crying out for something more. We sense the hunger and the thirst of our inmost being, longing for the comfort and assurance of the divine embrace. We feel our deep and profound need for God. Oh, children of God, it is these moments, these moments that break our illusion of control, when we are most opened to hear God's voice. Because in these moments, these moments of loss, of pain, of regret, of shame, we are vulnerable. Our souls are laid bare. Our eyes are stripped of the illusion that we can control our lives. And they are opened to the reality 
of God's terrifying power and marvelous grace. But we don't have to wait for terrible things to happen to open ourselves to God. Throughout the history of God's people, the church has practiced stripping away the noise so that we can listen for God. Stripping away the illusion so that we can look for God. Or to use the language of the Heidelberg Catechism, Christians throughout history have practiced daily dying to ourselves so that we can be daily raised to new life in Christ. Bible study, personal devotions, tithing, prayer, practices that help us strip away the fluff that we use to buffer ourselves from the unknown risk of God. And the season of Lent is precisely such a practice. A season of preparation for the greatest divine experience of all. A season of preparation for resurrection. A season in which we practice dying to ourselves so that we can be raised to new life in Christ. A season in which we practice making ourselves vulnerable, listening for God's voice, seeking God's face. A season in which we practice opening ourselves to what God has in store. And so we strip away the noise so we may hear. We strip away the illusion, so we may see. We strip away the fluff, so we may feel. We empty ourselves, that God may fill us. We offer ourselves, that God may use us. We die to ourselves, that God may raise us from the dead. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. O Lord our God, our soul thirsts for you as a deer thirsts for water. Our soul longs for you for the living God, more than watchmen wait for the morning. O Lord, you are our hope. You are our fortress. We long to know you, to hear your voice, to see your face to be filled with your love and your grace. And so we pray, O Lord, that you would strip away the fluff of our lives 
We pray that you would strip away the distractions that keep us from you. We pray that you would strip away the noise. So that we may hear you. Come to us, O Lord our God, we pray.